Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Here we are, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live. On 3cr.org.au, Her Royal Highness, the Empress Dowager, Dale Bridge, is back with us. <laughs> you got a medical certificate, Dale? No. Well, I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody else wants to paddle no, operate. I was in the excruciating process of moving house. Which, oh, uh, how's the cat feel about it? He's not very happy, I've got to admit. But yeah. hey, he's got to cope. You know. <laughs> He's got a cope, you know. He, oh. He's now an indoor cat. Dale, you were missed. I had to put up with Kelly last week. Oh, Kelly's wonderful. Thank you, well, Kelly, she is for wonderful. stepping she, into the breach. Yeah, she is a great human being but and a great paneler but doesn't ask many questions. She lets me browbeat <laughs> the people I interview, which you don't. Well, you know, they are giving us a favour, doing us a favour by giving us their time. Aren't we paying them? No. Oh. This isn't cash for comment. This isn't 3AW. Oh, right. Now, we do have a guest, and he's sitting there shaking his head, wondering what's <laughs> happening to him. What Yuck. he's got himself in for. Yeah. Now, look, uh, this is a bit tricky, this name. Oh. Because when I see D-E-S, I always think of Desaad, the Marquis <laughs> Desaad. But no, it's Yask Desai, S-A-I. I like that. Very good, and you got the name um, surprisingly close. Yeah. yeah. Well, time. could you tell us the... So, see, I probably don't say it correctly either, but it's it's Yask Desai, and Yask is a um, Yask is a Sanskrit name. It's an Indian name, but it's an it's an old name. So, um, Yask was the first linguist of the Sanskrit language, um, long back, yeah, about two and a half thousand years ago. So, there's not very many of us in the world. Um, Why is that? Doesn't anybody uh, honour linguists anymore? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's just. Um, well, Sanskrit is not a, it's not a language you can speak. It's, from my understanding, it's only a language that you can read. And, um, my dad was a scholar of Sanskrit, so I think it's, um, it's something quite obscure. And then, so, I've met a few now just on Facebook and we're all friends just based on our name. <laughs> so, there's five or six of us. In, the, in the whole universe. In the whole the universe. universe. Seven billion people. The yeah. Yask Society. What, one, billion, yeah. one plus billion of uh, Indian origin and there's only five of you. Yeah, I think so, oh, yeah. Not, good. not very that's, many that's of not us. Good. So. That's not but good. if there's any others out there, I'd love yeah. to hear from them. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. your dad did, and your mum did you a favour, didn't they, when they called you Yask? Yeah, well, they, I... You stood it, stand out in the crowd. Yeah, well, I didn't like it when I was a kid. I grew up in suburban Melbourne in Mount Waverley, and I was sort of the only, the only 
dark-skinned person in my primary school and I remember having a birthday party when I was um, five years old and I'd told quite a few people my name was John, so a lot of the kids rocked up with birthday cards for John and my <laughs> mum said, who's John? And so the whole story sort of came out. Uh, so shame, 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 yeah. trying to integrate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, look, uh, my real name's Giuseppe, but I know this Joe. <laughs> Joe, yeah. I know it's sad. Plain old The Joe. things we did to integrate. <laughs> exactly. Plain old John and Joe. <laughs> yeah. Now, John. <laughs> yes. Okay, I ask. What's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? The first thing I remember, well, I'm kind of lucky, I guess, because when I was three and a half, my my dad took me to India for the first time where he's from. And um, so I actually remember a lot of that trip. I think the very first thing I remember is getting on the old um, Southern Aurora train because um, he used to... I don't think there was a direct flight um, from Melbourne back then, so we had to... I think we had to go to Sydney to get a flight mm-hmm. um, out of Australia. So I can remember being on the Southern Aurora with my parents, um, going at the start of this big journey in one of the uh, the sleeper carriages going up to Sydney. Yeah. Mm. How did your parents end up here in Melbourne? So... Mama's mama's from Sydney originally, so she was um, she was an academic and she was a researcher. She came down to Melbourne and was working at Monash Uni. And um, and Dad had um, originally from India, went to London, did a master's and a PhD, and then got a job in Africa. Left Africa when he got a job at Monash. So they met at uh, Monash University in the sixties. Yeah, mm. mid sixties, mid to late sixties. So what? You're a sixties baby. Oh, I'm si- oh, sixty nine born. Yeah, sixty nine. You just yeah, made it. Just, just made after, it. Yeah. Just after the Paris Revolt of sixty eight. Yeah, which you don't right. remember, obviously. No. <laughs> so you remember the plane trip? The plane trip to India, or I know it's hard to ask. No. What do you remember about India as a three and a half year old? It's incredible that you just still have memories. Mm. Yeah, for for ages afterwards, I could. Um, I could remember the smells when I came back to mm. Australia. Mm. Um, certain things would trigger memories of that. Um, I think it was... We were a real oddity back then because it would have been 1973 and so there was my dad and he had a an Anglo wife and then this child who was obviously the product of that so we used to get a lot of a lot of interest a lot of stares uh, mm. you know make a lot of friends along the way so mm. i can remember that that there was always people around us and then the other thing i remember is um i've got a lot of cousins over there but um yet i'm an only child here so i remember sort of going from you know just myself mum and dad here to having you know, this huge extended family and, and always being in sort of rooms and having dinner with ten people and, and that sort of... So it was it was very different. And mm. um, we were there for about a year. So when I came a back... A whole year? A whole year. Because Dad was on a sort of a sabbatical right, as right. an academic. And, um, yeah, I remember coming back and I started prep and I found it really hard to adjust to the kind of... Um, the strict regime that you had mm. to follow. Mm. Did you pick up any language in India? Yeah, apparently, apparently I spoke uh, fluent Gujarati. That my dad's from um, Gujarat, Gujarat yeah. so 
apparently I spoke fluent Gujarati, but I can hardly remember anything now. No. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, there, there's a debate about language, whether there is a, a critical period, and, and some people believe that you can pick it up more easily when you're young, and others say that there's... That you know that that's um, that's not true. That you can pick up languages any time. But I, uh, I seem to have picked it up very organically. Yeah, I, I disagree with the latter. Yeah, I've tried to learn a few languages: Koreans, Japanese. Yeah, have all been disasters. And, <laughs> and as a child, and when I was in high school, I learned French, and I can still remember a lot of French. You know? Yeah, no, nah, it's a disaster. Yeah. What what have you picked up, Dave? Oh, oh language-wise, I didn't um, do any German at high school, but I majored in German at uni. Right. And that was really fascinating um, yeah. because you sort of, you know, those, um, the things about our language that we get taught in primary school that we, yeah. we forget as yeah. we use our language like about tenses and, sure. you know, and, and so it was really interesting to, to learn, relearn those things yeah. and apply them yeah. um, to the conjugations of yeah. verbs and stuff, you know, so... I, I think well, but I'm interested in linguistics and language, yeah. so I think that that made it just really mm. meaty, and I was yeah. I was like a sponge. I don't know, and every, I was 27. Yeah, yeah. Every, every time I look at you, uh, now I think of a German goddess. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> so Germanic. Can you can you, can you give us a, a station identification in German or no? A what? Station ID in German. Uh, uh, so, uh, oh, I'll give you a few minutes to think about it. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and at four thirty, when you've got to remember, I'm forty six now. This was when I was twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you've got to practice. That's one of the practice. things yeah. with languages, oh, isn't yeah. it? Practice. Well, we'll give you eighty minutes to think about it, and we'll ask you at four thirty. So, what's what was as you said, primary school? Was it all right? From Glen, uh, was it Glen Waverley or Mount, Mount, Mount Waverley? Mount, Mount Waverley, Waverley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it's so long ago now, but we had a kind of um, mm. we had a kind of a, I mean a, an idyllic suburban upbringing, I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. Um, with everything that that entails. So I guess you you don't see a great deal of the world, but um, you know you you're out with your friends, you know, playing sport and all mm. those running around as kids did back in the seventies and everything. So mm. yeah, I mean I. I I enjoyed my childhood, what I remember of it, definitely. And Did, um, yeah, yeah. Is, is there anything you uh, particularly caught your fancy study-wise in primary school? Did you find you uh, had a fluency for, for any particular area of life? Oh, gosh, it's so long ago. But uh, I mean, elephant stamps and gold stars, <laughs> yeah. you know, for something. No, I mean, I actually, <laughs> I actually didn't mind maths then, which. Mm. Uh, it seemed to be more logical in the primary school years, but we sort of uh, maths and I parted company pretty mm. soon once once uh, the the later years of high school started. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Did you go to a private high school or a public? No, no, I just went to the the local state school down the road, which what? is still there, Mount Waverley Secondary Mount College. Waverley Secondary College, mm-hmm. which is uh, a huge big school now. Mm. Um, yeah, it wasn't then, but um, yeah, but that that. Um, that suburb has changed a lot in terms is, is of Mount Waverley Secondary College these days one of those designated super state yeah, schools. Yeah, yeah, and it's got yeah. it's got different campuses. It's it's second, it's junior campuses. Mm. My old primary school mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. So. Did you finish high school? Yeah, yeah, I finished high school. Mm. Um, and what was high school like? Um, I mean, pretty much 
pretty much a continuation of primary school. It was a lot of the same kids mm. went there. Um, I think, you know, it was sort of a, was a, Mount Waverley was a lower middle class, middle class area back then. So it wasn't a big, um, a place where a lot of people went to, to private schools back then. No. So, yeah. yeah, so we sort of all continued on together. Um, Oh, that's good. Have you got any lasting friendships or have kind of people dissipated? A couple. I mean, it lasted for about 10 years and then, um, but the one or two, we still, um, we still say hello to each other, but mostly over computers these days, right. as it goes. <laughs> we had a, um, we had a reunion, actually, a primary school reunion about, um, about 10 years ago. Right. Um, was that 40 years or something? Yeah. Oh, that was 30 years. 30 years. Did you actually yeah. recognise anybody? Yeah, we, we <laughs> you did because, um, yeah, because of social media and stuff. Oh, so, right. And then, um, but it was amazing how we just sort of, we just got straight back into the friendships of, um, mm. of so long ago and you realise you're tied to... All those little people that you ran mm. around with in the playground for all yeah, that did time. You, did you go back to the sa- same relationships? <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> You know, the bully, the... It was, you know, the, you it know, was the almost... It was <laughs> strange. It almost did go a bit like that. And we were, we were so excited to see each other. And then we, we decided, oh, we'll have another one in a couple of months for some reason. A we couple of months? Yeah, we had a second one. And then that was... That then was we it. kind of realised, oh, the, the novelty is not there anymore. No, you got nothing so going then, on. It, then it went back to the yeah. occasional, you know, yeah, no, happy birthday on Facebook yeah, and whatnot. This, look... Uh, Yazi, this is a very, very in-depth program, and we're going to ask a very, very difficult question. <laughs> yeah. So get ready for it. I'm ready. Were you bald like you are now when you went to your 30th? I was. I, I was. was. Yeah, that would see, have been a shock to people. You see, my 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 <laughs> uncle in India. We've got a we've got a picture of the great patriarch of the family on the on the, on the wall. wall there oh, yeah. and he's a bald man with a with a fez cap on yeah. and my uncle used to always say to me when i was a teenager and i'd go to india and a young man he'd say that's your future and all my uncles are bald and sure enough <laughs> he, he was right i didn't want to believe him but that's yeah. what happened yeah, yeah. So you kind of slipped out you went back to india when was the first time after your childhood you went back to india so I went back again when I was 12. Right. Yeah. And then um, um, did a few trips because Dad would go often to see his mum and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, But then went back fully for the first time when I was about 25 um, because I, I just wanted to discover properly, you know, um, Dad's side of... Dad side of the family and mm. everything, and I was just at that point. I hadn't done the whole thing that a lot of my friends had done of yeah. going to Europe and pulling beers in a bar in London and yeah, all that stuff. The exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't do that. So yeah. I sort of held off, and then I went to India. And um, well, at least you went for a purpose. I mean, we only went for the drugs and the sex yeah. <laughs> in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. the, the hippie trail. That's all you went for in those days. Yeah, I would have. I would have loved to have loved to have been there at that time. Well, just you know, born a bit too late. You were so. born a bit too late. Yeah. I mean, that's, you just went for the colour and the action. Yeah. At least you had some something to hold you to the place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you left high school, did you um? 
work or did you continue higher education? Um, so I did one year of a carpentry apprenticeship. Why, why carpentry apprenticeship? Um, I think I left high school and I was a bit of a lo- at a bit of a loose end. I didn't want to study, mm. and um, I was just a friend's dad up the road right. who said, "Well, why don't you come and work with me?" So I um, I spent a year with him putting up dodgy sunrooms and and, uh, <laughs> and, and decking, yeah, and deckings yeah. and all that dig, <laughs> digging stump holes yeah. by hand and yeah, yeah. dodgy kitchens and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but um, I because. Um, because Dad was an academic and he was sort of always in my ear that I should go back to university and mm. everything, so I ended up I ended up doing that. Doing what? So I ended up um, studying at uh, Swinburne in Hawthorne, um, studying me uh, doing a ma- double major in um, economics and media studies, mm. an arts degree it was, mm. um, and then doing an, an honours year. Um, and then after that, sort of, um, yeah, went to India after what, what that. What year was that? That was that would have been early 90s, mm-hmm. yeah. Joe, Joe Magliani wasn't there then, was he? He's a 3CR regular. Our Joe used to teach at the, uh, I think, the design school at Swinburne. Yeah, no, I wasn't, I didn't have much to do with the design, design school. Right. Yeah, the yeah. name sounds familiar. But yeah, uh, I just want to get some dirt on him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Yeah, because we see him, he's, he's a fixture here at 3CR ah, now that he's okay. retired. Okay. Yeah, little Joe. <laughs> you know. So, um, did you graduate? Yeah, yeah. So I graduated. Um, I did my honours and, um, yeah. um. What did you do your honours in? Um, so honours I did, uh, something about, um, uh, VFL football and uh, capitalism, as it was then. I like it. Um, so how sort of uh, mm. how capitalism was was uh, changing the game, but mm. also how it um, it structured the the very being of um, of uh, people that played the game as well. Yeah, mm. um, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? Because it hasn't changed. I don't know if you know about the. Grand final, which will be happening Saturday. Oh, I have heard something. You have heard about something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was fascinated, and Dale's, Dale'll be fascinated too. Yeah. I was fascinated to hear that there's a hundred thousand tickets, right? Yeah, and uh, seventeen thousand go to each club that makes to the finals. Yeah, and the other sixty-six percent, yeah, the other sixty-six thousand. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, sixty-six thousand go to corporations and yeah. MCG members yeah. and AFL members. So, yeah. you know. Yes. People who followed the code all year and mm. done all the right things mm. don't even get to see their club or get a chance to see their club play the grand final. Yeah. Extraordinary. I assume that's the type of thing you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was looking at that, and, and that was very much happening then a, a lot with the, um, with the competition moving from that sort of suburban-based competition to mm. the national competition and, and all the sort of business links that that entailed. And, but at the same time... You know the loss, the loss to the the earlier football fan and the the links to local community and and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, at least at least <coughs> with Australian rules football, not like rugby league, the clubs are not and soccer. The clubs are not owned by private corporations or individuals. At least they're still owned by their members. Apart yeah. from North Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, which is that's still going for it. But getting back to your life. Yeah. Twenty five. You went back to India, what? Yeah. To discover yourself? 
Oh, kind of. I just I was I was up for a big trip, and I went for mm. I went with a friend, and um, he came for about three months, and then you know I sort of said I'm staying, and and uh, he looked at you, did he? <laughs> yeah, he wanted to stay too, but uh, he was doing a PhD, so he had to come back. Right. But I was sort of I'd I'd worked, and I had a bit of money, and it was really you know cheap for someone from. Australia to live in India at that time, so um, so yeah, I ended up um, I ended up studying, um, doing a masters over there in uh, documentary filmmaking for a couple of years and hang then on, hang on, and then hang working. On, hang on, hang on. <laughs> economics and whatever, and you go into documentary filmmaking. Yeah, what, yeah. Well, I had. Where a, did all this happen? I had a me- I had a media component in uh, at Swinburne too. That was the other part of my mm. major and. Um, yeah, my dad had a PhD student at the time who was here in Australia and she said, oh, if you're going over there, you know, look at this course. I'm sure you'd love it. And uh, yeah, it was a two-year master's in mass communication but was basically documentary mm. filmmaking mm. Um, at a pretty interesting time. Can I, can I actually hire you as a propagandist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was a pretty interesting time in India because the economy had been liberalised mm. only a few years earlier. Um, so it was r- really changing very rapidly from that kind of, um, you know, Indira Gandhi time when she was an, she was an economic nationalist. That's right. Um, yeah. with the, you know, and with the non-aligned movement and mm. all those things. And, and suddenly, um, the IMF had, um, <coughs> had asked India to open up the economy and sort of, mm. yeah, so. All right. So what was life like there for two years? Yeah, so it was um, it was two years studying and then another th- about another three years I stayed there and I worked. How, how, how did you get to stay? Because your dad, you've got Indian y- citizenship? Yeah, yeah, so, so um, I think it's if your grandfather or later is Indian on one side at least, you... You um you get a five you got a five year visa in those days, mm. um, and um they still they still kind of have that they have a sort of overseas citizen card so mm. you yes, can sort I've of got some bad news for you yeah tell me you won't be able to stand as an Australian politician oh dual yeah citizen. dual citizen what's going on yeah, here mate exactly you're a traitor yeah <laughs> yeah how ridiculous <laughs> unbelievable. Um, yeah, you can't stand. <laughs> I don't think I. I think I can do everything there, but that's one thing I, I can't own farmland, and I can't. Uh, I can't stand be a office. politician, right? Yeah. And you yeah. can't be a politician. And I can't here. be a politician oh, here. So God. there goes my career, career. out the yeah. window, <laughs> out the door. Yeah. So if you can't be a politician, what other career? <laughs> the documentary filmmaking lead to anything? Yeah. So I did. Um, I made a few um, documentaries over there. Um, after made obviously my student ones, but then after that um, made a couple of documentaries. One on um, on tourism mm-hmm. in India mm-hmm. and the the kind of effects that um, tourism has on uh, on local communities, and uh, one about um, privatisation of water in India, which um, which was happening um, still happening all over the world. Um, um, obviously, very important issue um, everywhere, mm. and um, yeah, one uh, one about um, 
some local musicians, um, local folk musicians from um, a state called Rajasthan and how their um, musical, they were forced to sort of commercialise their musical tradition to to survive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so... So did you make enough money to survive? Oh, so to survive I did more... Um, I used to do um, projects for, for NGOs. Right. Um, so, so sort of make um, profile videos for, for NGOs. It was just sort of around the start of the time that the internet was happening. Um, but people were, were starting to need videos to, to promote their their businesses or their organisations and stuff. So so I did some of that and, and some of those for businesses. So that's sort of what helped me to mm. to survive. And where were you centred in India? In in uh, Delhi. In Delhi itself. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's an unpleasant place, isn't it? Yeah, well... Well, he says that. People, yeah. See, I understand, I, I understand that, that you land there and it just seems this teeming, hot, mm. you know, dusty city. But once you, once you learn to navigate Delhi, it's actually very beautiful. Right. Um, there's a lot of green spaces. There's amazing history, you know, the, the Mughal history and um, all sorts of history and... Um, and it's actually a very um, there's a kind of endless cultural circuit there because it's the capital. So all the um, all the foreign missions, you know, the French Centre and the English and everyone, they're all and the Germans. They're always showing films and having workshops and all those things. So it's actually um, was a really nice place to live. Um, in my 20s, there was always something to do mm. every night, and I had good friends from my uni and stuff. So, but um, so you you fitted in brilliantly, did you? Yeah. Or were you considered to be an outsider? I was so? considered to be an outsider, but but not. Um, I mean, it was culturally familiar, mm. um, and that's one thing that I think you know to. You can't really generalise about any group of people, but it's one thing I think with Indians that they do um, keep a lot of their cultural practices wherever they are. Yeah. Um, so so much was familiar, and I had been going there for visits and stuff. So yeah. so yeah. I'd well, don't ask me why I did it, but uh, I went to the. Um Ganesh Festival at Hopper's Crossing a few oh, weeks yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just extraordinary. Yeah. About, as you said, the cultural affinity. There must have been about, what, 5,000 Indians and about five Europeans. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's quite quite extraordinary, you know, the, uh, the colour and the music and the drums. and Yeah, well, this interesting. Is, those areas are really, um, you know, you call, there's a, there's a term that, uh, Desi, which sort of describes people from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, um, and those areas out that way are really Desi with the new wave of migrants, South Southeast Asian migrants mm-hmm. um, now. So yeah, places like Tarnit and Hoppers Crossing, as you say, and everything, and have some amazing Indian yeah. food out there as well. Yeah, but it was quite interesting. Is that you know there were all the in jokes? Yeah. In uh, in the la- in language and obviously people are laughing around. You've got no idea what people are laughing yeah, about. Yeah, but you know, there's all these little in jokes. Cause, yeah, because the hostess she was very good. Cause right, she's a professional hostess. You yeah, know? and then and then the the obligatory singer from India turned up. Right. <laughs> yeah, he should have gone. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I've, I've spent I've spent time at those in, Have you? in my, over my years. Yeah. Now look, it's uh, four thirty, uh, Dale. Um, in German, what's our uh, uh, ID? Okay. Sie hören Dreizehn A Community Radio. There you go. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. That'll do. That's yeah, as she's close good. as she's good. Right. Or if I was going to be less formal, formal, I'd go do Hurst. Do Hurst. Dreizehn uh, Community Radio. Yeah. Eight double five on your yeah. own dial. Yeah. Streaming live. All right. Any. You know, your life seems pretty boring, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> up to the age of 30. Anything happening in your private life to kind of spice things up? Or your yeah. attitude? Do you have to go through the usual problems that teenagers grapple with as they grow up or a few extra ones that you want to, want to discuss? You don't have to. But no, you know. sure, sure. Um, yeah. Well, I ended up, uh, I ended up uh, meeting... Uh, person that I married in college mm. so um so we we lived together um in in Delhi um towards the end of college and and just after that um and then uh got married um got married about a couple of years after we were together um she came over here um we're not together anymore but uh still best of friends great friends mm. um yeah, so so that happened, and uh, so your professional life and personal life was kind of chugging yeah. along at the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you weren't one of these people with the. It's all about their professional. No, life, no, 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 no. That's so boring. Li- yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's, what I'm, that's, that's why I mentioned that. I yeah. called it boring. Yeah. No, no. You need to. Um, yeah, you need to work on your all sorts of personal relationships to be any sort of good artist. Anyway, I think I, I don't I think know. it, you it just can use exist. the A word. Yeah. Are you an artist? <laughs> oh, well, yes. Sounds <laughs> pretty pretentious now, doesn't it? No, 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 no. no, no, no. What is an artist? Yeah, what is an artist? What is an artist? Someone who doesn't get paid for what they do. Kind <laughs> right. Of, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. So you're not a, a, a market artist. You don't kind of uh, oh. shape your work. No, to no. To suit the marketplace. No, no. I mean... Well, well, you're an artist then if you don't do that. What's your medium? My medium now is more photography. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm currently doing another Masters in photography. Another Masters? Yeah, I did, the, the, I did the Masters in India in the filmmaking and then... Couldn't you transfer it across there? Uh, yeah, I think... Oh. Yeah, I think it I think it was recognised. But, um, yeah, I... I um, I ended up going back, and I'm doing a I'm doing a masters currently in photography. And yeah, but forget um, about the masters. That's boring. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing with your, in photography? With my photography. So when did it all when did this all start? Oh, so did it start gosh. in India or when you came? Back? So again, like you have this kind of um, this kind of schizophrenic split when you're any sort of artist and you do stuff to get by to do important things like eat food and uh and then you you do your own stuff which is what which is what you want to do and you hope that you know some at some stage in your life that at least the second part the stuff that you want to do can start to help you you know survive um 
So currently I'm working on um, a photographic project about the men who came from undivided India um, at the end of the 19th and um, early 20th century, well, up until 1901, until the White Australia policy. Mm. Um, and they worked as hawkers or travelling salesmen in regional areas. And, um, you know, that's been really interesting to me because I thought my dad and his friends were kind of the first um, the first group of Indians that came to Australia. But there was actually mm. people coming a lot before that. I mean, even before these guys that were hawkers, there were people... There were people working with camels and there were people up in the north cutting cane and mm. um, <clears throat> even before that, um, yeah. on the on the really early ships, some Indians came as convicts as well. That's right. Um, it, was the, it was the British Empire. Yeah, it was the British Empire and technically they were mm. allowed to travel freely mm. um, up until 1901. Um, but yeah, so, so I couldn't obviously cover all of that, but... Um, but how do you go about locating people in such a, you know, it's a big field. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You use contacts? Do you do research? Yeah, so um, there's people that there's people that have done um, a lot of research um, into this. So obviously you look at the research that's been done, but also I find the, um, the local historical societies are actually um, real... You know, real wealth of information um, in the um, in the country areas. Um, so go through their records um, and generally just read anything I can about Indian hawkers um, and um, and work that way. And then try and you know, one of the main things I'm trying to do is to look for descendants of. Um, of these men that came because it was only men that could come they couldn't bring their families they couldn't bring their mm. wives um so one of the things i'm doing is looking for um for people who are who are descended from from the indian hawkers which is tough because they they didn't have fam a lot of them didn't have families out here um because they couldn't bring their family so some married here but many didn't mm. um would really. i remember i remember uh I've been out to Central Australia many times, and, yeah. uh, and even in the 60s and 70s, when I first started going out there, you'd have yeah. the the residual communities. You'd have the European community in the mm-hmm. centre, mm-hmm. then you'd have the Indian Afghani community, yeah. the Hawkers and the Camel Cameliers, yeah. and then you'd have the Aboriginal that had been dispossessed. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and usually the relationship between the Aboriginals and the Hawkers and Cameliers yeah. could could be quite close and there are a lot of Aboriginal people yeah. with uh, Afghani and uh, Punjabi mainly yeah. I think are yeah. descendants. Yeah. Lots and um, I think that's the thing because Australia's become, um, modern Australia has become such a monolingual country mm. even though we've got all these languages that have existed here for thousands of years and but I think a lot of that um, Southeast Asian, the early history um, of that of those communities is probably held orally and in other languages, um, so that's one thing I want to look at trying to access later. And interesting, the point you made about that relationship between um, Aboriginal people and that community sometimes being quite close. An Aboriginal person who has um, Indian ancestry um, recently said to me it was actually 
you know, at the time around 1900, it was actually better to be an Indian than that's an right. Aboriginal person right. in this country. Your children weren't removed. Yeah. That was the whole key. Yeah. You came from the Seychelles, Mauritius. Yeah. yeah. India, anything yeah. but Aboriginal yeah. or Torres Strait yeah. Islander, anything, yeah. because the, then you weren't under the uh, the, the Act, you know, the Aboriginal yeah. Protection yeah. Act, yeah. you know, you weren't under the Act. Yeah, yeah. Have you found many people? I have. Um, I found, um, with the help of um, with the help of some lovely researchers in Melbourne, um, uh, Len Kenner and Crystal Jordan. Um, I found um, quite a few that were over in the UK. I was in the UK recently. And um, so these were um, people that basically the uh, men that were here didn't have families Mm. and um, either went back to India or died here alone. And then so um, eventually the family members um, in India and what's now Pakistan went to the UK for various reasons in the in the 50s and 60s. So I met quite a few descendants over there. Um, and then um, also here I've, I've managed to find um, uh, five or six descendants. Which is which has been great. Um, some amazing stories, you know. One one person, um, uh, Bill Singh, up in Sydney, um, he made a promise to his grandmother when he was twelve years old to find out what had happened to his grandfather who'd left uh, Punjab, India, and said he was going to come back in two years um, from Australia. Never came back. Worked as a hawker. It took him twenty three years to find him because his grandfather had changed his name from Menga Singh to Charlie Singh. Mm. Um, it took him a, lo- a long time to, to find, but he, he eventually found um, found his grandfather's grave and, and um, some information about him, but he's still looking for a picture. He doesn't know what his grandfather mm. looks mm. like. Have you, have you actually thought of... Uh, see, most my recollection is that most of the Indians that came... They're mainly from the Punjab, yeah, and they're mainly Muslims. Is that correct? Um, so two two groups, mm. um, Muslims and but also Sikhs. Sikhs, Muslims, yeah, Sikhs. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so um, my understanding is that they were they were largely um, uh, poor farmers. Um, farmland was becoming more and more scarce, mm. and um, they heard that there was work if they went to the um, to the docks and they got on ships so they weren't necessarily thinking okay I'm going to go you know sitting in Punjab thinking mm. I'm going to go to Australia and work what they would do is go down to Calcutta or or Delhi or where uh, uh, Mumbai and um, jump on a ship and sometimes those ships um, took them here mm. um, and then one interesting thing is um, people back home um didn't necessarily know where Australia was, but they had word got back that um, their their relatives had docked in a place called Sheeny, oh, uh, right. which was referring yeah, to Sydney. Yeah. And so there's still actually a village in Pakistan called uh, Sheeny Ali Talk to this day, <laughs> which means the uh, the village of the Sydney. The village of the Sydney ones, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's some amazing, um, amazing stories, stories yeah. Have you, have you been to the mosque at Broken Hill? No. That would have a lot of... Yeah. I, I was up there uh, over Christmas. 
yeah. and went up to Maree yeah. where the first mosque was built. Yeah. And yeah. there is there is a huge amount of information. Yeah. As you said, mainly single men. Yeah. And and some quite extraordinary photographs that are accessible yeah. through the uh, through the uh, library and the mosques and the yeah. mosques have got all these records that have been kept there for yep. generations yep. which nobody's actually looked at sure so, now, getting back to more technical thing yeah when you do these photographs of <coughs> these descendants uh, yeah. do you use black and white or, or color no i use color mm. and just uh digital i'm not uh i'm not a film snob there's uh, there's <laughs> well, a move no, no. it's actually i i love film i'm, I'm yeah. joking it's, yeah. there's a move back towards film particularly mm. amongst younger photographers which yeah. is really nice and um, but I, I use a I use a um, a medium format digital camera, which sort of gives the same. It slows me down. You can't work fast with it. You can't sort of go snap, snap, snap. So I like to um, I like to sort of work with people and ask them, you know, where they like to be, where they'd like to be photographed. A lot of people don't have any particular place, but I like to photograph people in their environments. Mm. Yeah. And um, and sort of uh, link them. Don't with you their boss lives. people around and tell them where to stand and where to look? <laughs> oh, oh, you're one of these sensitive new age photographers. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I I just try and I try and let people I try and let people um, choose. But yeah, occasionally you have to give a bit of advice just to um, yeah, get it happening, bit of direction. Yeah. Do you do do you do kind of spontaneous work on the streets, or do you? Yeah, is everything kind of? Placed? No, I do. I. I loved street photography and then I started studying it. And, uh, within the art world, street photography has kind of got this, uh, what's the word? It's, um. It's not real photography. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not considered photography, which mm. I'm in two minds about. I, I love street photography, but the other thing is everyone's doing it now mm. as well. Mm. It's, it's really hard to do something original on the street anymore but i'm sure i'll get back to it i've done it for years i've got you know 20 years of street photographs in melbourne and mm. and i photograph with a guy who's been doing it since the 70s and he's got an amazing archive that no one's seen just of it started with black and white street photography well, um, i hope he doesn't die yeah well uh, his his archive is very organized so oh, you know i'm pretty sure it's going to be of value to well, to get value into the, it's a historical record. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great. Hist- if he's been doing, and you've been doing what for twenty years, that is a great historical record because yeah. things change, and you don't notice they change. No, no, because you're living in the moment. You just don't notice that yeah. things change. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a, a photo from the seventies, and you look at the way people are dressed, yeah, and then you look at the nineties, and yeah, it's all different. Yeah, yeah, it's all different. And you've got that record. Yeah, I mean, I had a friend who died. Um, he was in his eighties. He had this brilliant three thousand. Collection, which is theoretically sent, left to me in the will. Yeah. But the time I went to collect it, it all been <laughs> put in a dump truck and sent oh, away. Oh no! And this is what happens because relatives and children don't understand yeah, the significance yeah, yeah. of what you know their yeah, parents are doing. Just something taking up space. Yeah, yeah. You just get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate to see that happen to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll make sure to get the archive in order for... Get it in order yeah. for, you know, you're, you're, you're turned, have you turned 50 Yeah, this year? just Yeah, just turned 50, yeah. so... Do we need yeah. to sing happy birthday, Dale? Do we? <laughs> yeah. In German. In German. Glücklich Geburtstag. Thank you. There you are. Is that the first time you've been yeah, saying happy birthday yeah. in German? Well, it wasn't singing. Well, it was, you know, just happy birthday. <laughs> well, well, there's no money in this, mate. You're no. living on the streets. What's going on? Yeah, so again, I just uh, I just finished a job for Melbourne City Council um, uh, filming one of their workshops, which was actually really interesting. Um, it was about... Um, so it was about basically a workshop that involved two artists and that are going to put some some public art in University Square. But it was basically all about sensitising the artists and the people around the Commission to um, cool and intelligence and um, respecting, you know, that, um, you know, there's people in this space that have been placemaking in this space for thousands and thousands of years and you know trying to offer that and perhaps you know i guess the idea is that that reflects uh somewhat in the public art that's produced um that's uh that's one of the more interesting things that i do to uh to pay bills um you don't do weddings in barmies oh unfortunately <laughs> yes sometimes yes <laughs> the, tell us about the wedding the, from hell the the dreaded weddings Oh, no, it's just more like you can't, you know, there's certain... I did forget my batteries once, um, frantically looking around. Luckily, it was a kind of a friend, so his brother drove me to a JB Hi-Fi. I picked up a battery and prayed that it had some charge from the factory on it, which it did, um, and sort of... Yeah, sort of just managed to get by. Yeah. So that was about the worst one. Yeah, well, I, I, had a, I, I, I did a bit of MC when I was younger. Yeah. I was at a wedding, right? Yeah. And the, <laughs> the groom... Who would get Joe to speak at their wedding? <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good MC. You know, I can, you know, you can tell me this stuff. I'm a good MC. <laughs> An but I had MC. a problem. Yeah. Halfway, halfway through the reception, the groom disappeared. Ah, he wow. just disappeared. Okay, and we didn't know why he disappeared. Yeah, so and it was a Croatian wedding, so Ooh. it could have ended it up nastily. You know? yeah. So I had to uh, kind of keep the crowd entertained for ninety minutes till they found the groom, <laughs> yeah. who I think was having second thoughts, oh, but no. it was too late. Yeah, too late. <laughs> Gosh, there's always these funny stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I haven't had anything like that. No, so I, dramatic. It, it it can be very dramatic. Yeah. So have you got any plans for the future? Yeah, I mean, just uh, gosh, I mean, just to finish this. To, I'm making a book from this uh, out of this Hawkers project. So mm. that's sort of consuming everything. I mean, also to to keep on travelling. Um, what do you mean, keep on travelling? Haven't you had enough? As long as... No, no, it's always... Uh, it's always, I think it was Freud who said we need we need a small trip every six weeks and a big trip every six months. So mm-hmm. I I firmly believe in that. It's not always practical to be able to do right, that. Okay. But All right. Tell yeah. me all the places in the world you've been. Yeah. If you, if you follow that philosophy. 
Oh, gosh. Any interesting places? They're all interesting, he says. They're all, yeah, they are. Yeah, but, he says uh, they're all interesting. I went to North Korea. When was that? Uh, last year, the middle of last year. So what did you think? Um, it was... It's amazing as like a cliche, but like nowhere else I've been, we were, it was a very structured... Uh, a very structured trip. Um, mm. I went with a friend who he's been. T- he lives in China. He's a guy from Brisbane, and he's been taking uh, taking journalists and uh, photographers and whatnot there for a long time. He has quite a good relationship with them, and um, I'd asked him quite a few times, and finally he said, "Come along." So I went with him, and he was taking a tour. Um, I was there for about five days, and they they show you everything that they want to show you but within that you see it's an amazing society because you you get off the we got the train in from um dandong in china into Mm. pyongyang it's a few hours train ride and you get off and there's you know it's like you feel like you're walking into a movie set there's no advertising um, this is Pyongyang. Um, but not, it, not even political advertising. Uh, political advertising, yes, right. um, definitely. Mm. Pictures of the of the leader and sort of the um, Dynasty, yeah. yeah, the the uh, murals of workers and all those mm. sorts of things. But it's not everywhere by no, any right. by any stretch. Um, it would have just been nice to be able to walk around, um, and I don't think. You know, for me, they, the 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 guides, you know, they wanted to show us things like tall buildings and clean streets and all those sorts of things. And um, I think it's the other things that are that are nice about the place that there is no advertising, that there aren't so many tall buildings, um, that there there's barely a car on the road. Mm. Um, they have those. Uh, those sort of mix between a, a, a electrified buses almost seems to be mm. the main way that people got around. Um, and then there's two million people in Pyongyang. The population of North Korea is about the same as Australia. And then there's 23 million people in the countryside. And if you live in the city, you can't move to the country. If you live in the countryside, you can't come into the city to sort of avoid that rural urban mm. migration yeah. i guess but yeah. i mean i think it's amazing with all the um with all the sanctions with all the you know they they can trade with they do a bit of trade with china and mm. um did you get out of the out of the capital or yeah we went uh we went to um a couple of rural areas again you could you know what they would do is they would take you on a train into the so you could look out you would go to um very specific things in the rural area we went to a soap factory right, and those right. sorts of things but right. you can look out the the window and see people farming and that you know there's certainly no no poorer than um the rural people in india right. from what i could you know people weren't kids weren't running around with no shoes and 
that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, the propaganda about North Korea is mm. is not to say that everything's perfect by any means, but obviously no. the propaganda in the West is huge, huge yeah. um, against North Korea. But I th- I think it's amazing that they've survived this long pretty much on their own. 25 million people, it is quite extraordinary yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. Is there any place you would never, never go back to? Never go back to, yeah, gosh. No, you would just say... Oh, I mean, places like... I've never been to Bali and I probably never want to go to Bali. Right. Just places like that, right, that scare me more. Scare just you those, more. You have a commercial Yeah, yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. Pro- yeah, I mean, hmm. I mean, I want to go to a place where I have liberty and if I, if I can't go out at night and if I have to worry about, you know, a big gun culture and all those things, then America doesn't offer... Liberty, you know, mm. for me. So, no. but uh, yeah. So, so where are you thinking of going next? Oh, well, I am going to India, but that's more to look for, um, more to look for um, descendants again of the men mm. that came. So, I'm, I'm going to uh, Punjab next month. Um, yeah. So, so that's probably. But I never sort of. It's just as things come up. I never sort of make. A big plan or mm-hmm. or anything like yeah, that. I assume I assume you are. You book with Thomas Cook and the yeah. five star <laughs> yeah, luxury yeah, there. No. <laughs> yeah, right. carry my uh, yeah. Gucci luggage. No, yeah. no. You, don't, you don't hire a few people at the airport. To, <laughs> yeah. You know, push yeah. your trolleys. No, nothing. No, like no, no. I try and do the seven kilos thing and yeah. uh, seven kilos in inverted commas. Although they're getting strict now, it's pretty yeah. hard to do it with cameras in your bag. But yeah. no, I try and travel light, and usually I try and go places where I can, I can do something mm. that's mm. yeah that interests me. Yeah. No, no, we always ask this question at the end. Yeah. Because you won't believe this, the hour's almost up. Oh, wow. Yeah, but um, advice. advice for a young person oh. who's about to, you know, venture out into the world, 18 or 19. You know, you seem to have done quite well with minimal financial backing. Oh, yeah, I mean... In terms of experience and uh, life. Gosh, advice. Advice. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, just um, just do as much as you can, I guess. Do as much as you can, and uh, and maintain your friendships. I reckon is really important. Yeah, to to um, and it's easier now to do that. Well, you know, we used to write, I used to write letters to people when I was in India, but now it's much easier. So I reckon those two things, like don't uh, don't wait to do things, do things when you're young, and um. Keep some sort of record. Maybe that's just the photographer in me. It doesn't have to be photographs, but keep a journal or whatever, you know, old school or whatever, however people you do, do that these you days. You do forget. Yeah, you do. I'm going through thousands of photographs currently, and uh, you just it's amazing how much you forget. And it's awesome to look back mm. and you actually think, wow, I actually did a bit of stuff. I was actually... Not too boring. So get it <laughs> off the cloud and put it on paper. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, because that's what we need to do. Because you need something solid to look at. I mean, I've, yeah. I've taken thousands of digital photographs and I've never looked at them again. Yeah. And before I was taking, you know, lots of my late wife we were taking lots of photographs. We've yeah. all got them and they're all there. You know. Yeah. I'm yeah. going through them. Makes a difference because you don't tend to go back to a digital photograph, do you? No, unless you're a professional like you are. Yeah, you sort of. 
I mean, you sort of, I very much have an opinion immediately on a photograph and then, you know, if I write it off, I don't look at it again. But actually, if you do go back and look at stuff, you often look at it with with new eyes, yeah. Well, thank you, Dale Bridge, for pushing the buttons. And thank you, Yask Desai, for coming in. No worries. Talking to us. Pleasure. And letting the youth... The young people know we've got at least one young listener under 50 oh, somewhere nice. out there that there is a future. Yes, there and that's is. the key, and you've got to make your own future. Yeah. Nobody's going to give it to you on a plate. Well, that's thank nice. you very much. All the best for the no future. I'd like to um, keep us informed about uh, any exhibitions you're having. I will, for I sure. I mean, and once you get that book published, yeah. I mean, then we're quite happy to um, give it a bit of push along because yeah, uh, it is an expensive business being an artist yeah it is it's an it expensive is. business in time yeah and everybody's a critic yeah yeah, yeah absolutely thank you very much and uh, all the best for the future You left me on my own